Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Blinded by the Light and I'm happy to be joined by now recurring guest, uh, film critic for WordCircuit.com and Hollywood News, Joey Madison. Joey, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Yeah, so Joey, I'm excited to have you join me for this one. Uh, Blinded by the Light is the newest film from Gurinder Chadra, who most people probably know from being the filmmaker behind Bend It Like Beckham, and it, it's inspired by the memoirs of uh, Sarfraz Manzoor, uh, Vivek Ka- Kalra. Am I getting his name right, Joey? Uh, Vivek Kaira? Vivek Kaira, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah he plays uh, Javid, a Pakistani Brit in high school that's you know struggling to fit in with students at his school while simultaneously also holding up his family's traditions and expectations while his family is also struggling out financially. He wants to be a writer. His father wants him to have a more traditional white-collar job. And when Javid is at a low point, a classmate and soon-to-be friend, Roops introduces him to the movie of Bruce Springsteen, and it gives him a kind of a new outlook on life. And the movie really looks at how that new outlook changes his worldview, but also kind of clashes with uh, where he comes from and uh, what his family expects of him. So, And the movie kind of takes off from there. Uh, Joey, where I first want to start is that I I know you've been doing this uh, for a long time. You're a professional critic, and I know you're going to share your uh, true feelings on a movie, regardless of the subject matter or anything. But I think you might even describe yourself as an easy mark for a movie like this. Can you characterize your uh, Bruce Springsteen fandom and how it informed your experience watching this movie? Well, I mean, I'm among the very few people who saw Springsteen on Broadway twice. Oh, wow. That's a good start. Though, yeah. in my defense, I didn't really pay full price either time because like you said professional film critic there you go <laughs> you know, get, no i, I there, there was one day where i was helping my i was helping my great aunt and uncle who I mean maybe not the most internet savvy people they're in their 70s but they live in new york and i was i was with them it, it, with visiting my grandpa in philadelphia and they're like can you help us get on this internet and like you know buy these tickets and reserve them and i i, I really didn't know a lot about the show at that point i was like oh wow like this isn't a cheap ticket no i uh i got the first time i got it through whichever secondhand service, and it was massively expensive. But I had um, this is what it pays to have a friend that you do nice things for who doesn't do anything for you. Basically, <laughs> for years I'd gotten gifts and never given, never gotten one in return. So she had just decided, like, I'll just buy you a ticket to the show. Right. Hold it up. And, I'll buy you half a ticket to the show. <laughs> uh, so I paid the other half with like a month's salary. And then uh, the other time I actually won the uh, the Broadway lottery for it. Oh, nice. So. They're like seventy-five dollars. They're not nearly as good seats as the other time, but um, I had that moment of like, am I an asshole to go a second time and take it from someone who's never? Yeah, fuck him. I want to see it. <laughs> so I've seen it twice. I've seen him in concert twice, though I guess a third time counts. So I uh, I went to the premiere. It was my second time seeing the film, and he actually attended and uh, he performed at the after party. Wow, that's so that a, was pretty awesome. That's a pretty nice surprise. Uh, yeah, so he ranks somewhere between my my dog and my family in terms of importance. So, wow. <laughs> but so yeah, I mean, uh, what, do you, what what then? What did you think when you saw like, oh wow, they're? Did you think they're they're making this movie for me basically when you kind of when it first dropped the Sundance? Sort of. I mean, I when I I don't think I'd heard about much involving it until the Sundance lineup came out, and you know, you, if you don't know the actor or the filmmaker and anything, you kind of just peruse the, the synopsis. I saw the name and I was like, I wonder. So there was uh, the filmmaker that it was. I was like, oh, uh, Bend It Like Beckham, uh, Bride and Prejudice. Like, it's a filmmaker who makes movies that transition from, you know, they're international. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't know what it would be. And then when I read the synopsis, I went, oh, I didn't know it was based on 
the book um, Greetings from Barry Park, which I was aware of but hadn't read. Right. Um, but yeah, once I I heard from people in the industry that I'm friendly with, you know, like like a Mike Ryan, who's also a huge Springsteen fan. Right. At Sundance, that basically, oh, this is going to be your favorite movie of all time, essentially. Oh, gotcha. Uh, that wouldn't go that far, but it's definitely my favorite film of the year so far. Yeah, I I, I don't have as nearly of a. Um deep relationship with the bosses you do but like i'm just not i talk about it on my podcast a lot i'm not a huge music guy i just i i, I don't know i just I'm, I'm obviously very into movies but you know i'm whenever i'm just walking around with my ipod in like i'm just listening to podcasts and that's kind of my thing but i, I like to I, i've told people when talking about this movie if you put me in the same situation as the character from yesterday with any artist and i'm just like dropped into that world and it's like you got to remember as many songs as you can i'd be the best suited to like take advantage of it if it was Bruce Springsteen. Like, I mean, I, 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 I do, I, I go somewhat deep on his catalog, but not like probably nowhere near anyone like you. So it was still pretty exciting for me to find out that this was going to be a movie and I was going to really get to see this kind of story. And I think there is like a certain, there's a certain floor for a movie like this, you know, where whether it be like something where it's actually a biopic of the artist, like Bohemian Rhapsody or something like, um, like, like that or rocket man or something like yesterday where you're just going to go see some really famous band or artists and have their songs played loudly at you. Like you're going to have like some base level of fun. at something like that, but like you would still like the movie to be like good. So, uh, beyond just get, getting to hear like his music, what was the thing that like you think this movie did like super well that really connected deeply with you beyond just like getting to hear Bruce Springsteen songs in a different format than going to a concert? Uh, well, it's a couple of things. So, so for full disclosure, if the movie yesterday happened to me, I would only have to learn how to play guitar because I'd have the lyrics down. <laughs> uh, so it's a guitar part yeah. or Springsteen would become very acoustic. Um, but no, I, so I, discovered him in high school around 16. So like the exact same age as the, uh, the protagonist. Right. And, and then with a similar reaction of like, Oh, this is a type of music I'd, I'd never heard before. And here's a musician who's, who's speaking to not necessarily my experiences, but also clearly my experiences. Like just for, just like Javed, like Javed's not a, a white male from New Jersey. Like he doesn't have that same experience, but the concept of a blue collar upbringing. I mean, we'll get to it later, but the, the climax of the film involves him talking about how Bruce Springsteen's music essentially is universal because the mm-hmm. values that he instilled are, are universal values of being a very simple, good member of society. Like you work hard, you, you do right by your friends and your family and you, you, you don't let the hardness of the world take you away from your dreams, even though they may seem that way. So all those things that he felt I felt at a certain time, and also, even if you t- took it away, this could have been about anyone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be about Springsteen. And I would have enjoyed it because it's it's a really well done coming of age story. They do a very deft thing in in making it not necessarily about being Pakistani or being British, but about not belonging, and that everyone in the movie doesn't belong in some way. Even the British people. I mean, even the the goddamn neo Nazis don't belong because they clearly want a different country than they're in. Javed wants to find a place. He's not British. He's not Pakistani. His Pakistani family either wants to be more Pakistani because they're not where they are, or his sister wants to be more British and she has to sort of hide that. His British friends want to be, you know, and they have a specific style that they want. And they're not. No one is really in this place they want to be. I mean, there's there's a lot more going on than I think on first glance because it is sort of a simple crowd pleaser on the surface. But then, basically, my one of my shots of the entire year is Javed looking at the, the neo-Nazi kind of protest leaving and he's in his wedding, uh, garb. And in the background is the, um, Margaret Thatcher poster. 
mm. like vote conservative. Yeah. And it's, you know, the movie obviously yeah. didn't know what was going to go down in 2019, you know, it was probably shot in 17 or 18, but there's a lot of little bits that you can tie in of like, Oh, here's a white nationalist movement. Here's someone who's not a white person. Yeah. Here's the conflict and here's where the society should be stepping in and and maybe they're not doing what they should. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's a little sad that like it's, it's, it could have been, it could have been timely at any point really for the last few years. Cause I, I was listening to an interview with, uh, Gurnier Chadra and she said that she conceived of the movie, like, a, I mean, I guess kind of in the early aughts, but then, or in the, around 2010, actually, I guess. And then she went off and had to make a couple other movies and I think they had gotten Springsteen on board, but then like when it kind of came time for her to be like, all right, I'm ready to make this thing was when Brexit was happening. So you can yeah. kind of see how like some of that stuff, uh, might've gotten incorporated in the movie. And I, and I do want to talk about like how it handles just how it handles that subject matter when it really didn't have to go there. But I, I, I respect that it did, but I think it is, I want to, I want to back up for a second to what you were saying about it. His music kind of touching on a lot of universal themes because I, it's something that should be apparent to a lot of people, but you know, it was something I really hadn't stopped to consider all that much until I was watching this movie because um, you mentioned like, I mean, you're from that part of the country. I, I lived in Philadelphia until I was five before moving south, but I've like spent a lot of time in the tri-state area. And uh, my intro to this music was from my dad, who was born and raised in Philadelphia. And you know, I just, I just from being familiar with that part of the country, I feel like more so than any other artist, like I think his his music kind of just like evokes images of like 1960s, 1970s, New Jersey, New York, Philadelphia, stuff of that area. So I just deeply associate it with America. And I mean, a lot of his songs, like they might talk about America, but like they can obviously relate to other countries outside of that. And I think that's, that's really what I really enjoyed the movie for so much was that it really, like you said, deftly kind of brought you to that realization if you weren't already there and, and doesn't, and doesn't let you forget forget about that and even for someone like me who i mean i i'm very fortunate i think i came from a more privileged background than javed does but you know it really kind of hits the nail on the head that like he's coming from like i think a very similar class of people to the type of people bruce sings about yeah i mean if you look at the songs that they chose in the movie even that ties in in that way but even even beyond that we can get that in a minute you know yeah there's i mean philadelphia you just said you're from philadelphia Mm -hmm. there's this sort of rocky culture there very Mm -hmm. very blue collar like associates with that kind of character, the underdog. And that's sort of the Bruce Springsteen songbook. It's very much about like your, your father or your brother or you or your kid, depending on the, the era he's saying, you know, works a factory life. They're a cop. They work on the highway. You know, they, they work the night shift. It's all about very blue collar upbringings where life isn't given to you. Life isn't easy. You have to earn whatever you have. And that sort of ties into, to, you know, Luton, when he says Luton is a four letter word, like that could have been a, a Springsteen song because it's very much about this is a, a town not far from from London because you can go to London. Mm-hmm. You can go to any of the big cities because they talk about it being, you know, where we're going to go to college or we're going to go to a concert. But it's in the same way of like being. Well, from he, well, he talks about wanting to go to college like way north of yeah. London in Manchester, yeah. which is also a theme in a lot of Bruce Springsteen songs is kind of getting away where you're from, from where you're from. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the on Springsteen on Broadway, he uh, starts one of his chapters, the way the, the show kind of works. People can watch it on Netflix now. But yeah. it always worked was there was a he would tell a story that would lead into a song. And um, before I forget which song he I think it might have been Badlands was a song he he tied it into. But he. He starts by saying there's nothing better than being young and leaving somewhere. And he tells a story about the night he left New Jersey, things like that. Like when you're young, you want to get out from wherever, no matter where you are. You can, no matter what upbringing you have necessarily, you want 
what you don't have. Well, I think that's a really and that's it, sort of- yeah. No, I think it's a really interesting point you make because again, I had a very different upbringing than him. It was probably a more privileged one, but at the same time, I mostly grew up in the Panhandle of Florida. And that's, I I didn't really see it as my kind of culture. There's a very specific reason I live in the other corner of Florida right now. It may or may not have a lot to do with politics, which this movie also touches on. And I, it's kind of funny how it's like, it's a a similar kind of thing where luckily I didn't really come from a family where they were forcing me to work and give them the money or anything like that. But I can still relate to that and just wanting to get away where we're from and that just being on my mind the entire time up until I graduated college and law school thinking where I'm going to, how I'm going to structure my job search, basically. Like that was the number one criteria. So like for many people of all different stripes, it really, you really can connect to the music. But I, well, I think it's interesting that you mentioned Badlands right there because, or, because I mean, there's a few really distinct parts where the movie kind of drops that song in, but I wanted to ask you just about how the movie kind of constructs the set pieces and some of the more uh, distinct visual flourishes it has, because, uh, you know, people talk a lot about how, Born in the USA is just like always misconstrued as just uh, being yeah. a like a patriotic anthem or whatever, and I don't think they really have that discussion uh, uh, with something like Dancing in the Dark or something like that. And uh, that's the first time where you really hear the music in the movie is where Javed is sitting in his room and he just finally puts on the tape and plays that song. And I, at first I was like, oh man, is this going to be? There are a couple times where it's like they put the words on the screen. There's another time where they like maybe start talking in song lyric, and I'm like, I, I, I almost start to roll my eye, and I'm like, this is going to be like a little too on the nose. But then I like really started to appreciate it, where it's like, oh, they're going to take it like a step beyond that, and uh, whether it just turns into something really cool visually when the when the actual lyrics are on the screen during Dancing with the Dark, or where that turns it into that whole set piece of the mall, where it's like, I feel like this is first of all putting words on a screen m- might seem on the nose, but it, like it kind of is just confronting you with the fact that like Dancing in the Dark isn't a party song. So one, yeah. I appreciated it for that, but two, I also appreciated the fact that all right, they're turning this into more of a fantasy and a religious experience than it would be if they weren't going the extra mile to like make this make a visual treat that it is. Uh, what did you right. think about how they utilized the songs in that manner? Uh, I like that they found the perfect hybrid. Like it's not a musical, mm-hmm. um, but it takes the experience. So like in the same way that last year A Star Is Born wasn't a musical, but it involved music a lot. Music was central to the film. Whereas, um, same with like Sing Street movies like that. Whereas one of my favorite movies um, of 2015. There's a lot of there's a lot of Sing Street in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But whereas in a musical, like a La La Land, for example, um, the characters are driven, or The Greatest Showman, if that floats your boat, though I hope not. (laughs) um, Characters are driven by emotion to to break in the song. They they break the reality of the world because they have to sing. It's just what they have to do. Um, that's what a musical should do. And this one doesn't do that, but what it does is it simulates that feeling. So like when you first experience any emotion, um, Springsteen music, when you discover sex for the first time, whatever it is, like you just, you have that yearning, especially men, especially teenage boys, like have this, that's what they have to discuss. Like it becomes the only thing on their mind. So the movie does an excellent job of simulating that feeling. You know, you, when the song speaks to you, it's literally speaking to you. The words are, are, are shooting out into the universe. When he is imagining singing a song to someone, he's imagining a musical number. You know, he's breaking out into song because that's what the feeling of the song is doing. So they found a really good way to, to tiptoe along that line. Like there's a couple of scenes that are, are damn near Bollywood numbers. And you can see that that's where the director is really like putting her, her mark on the film. But at the same time, keeping it, one step away from breaking out into a musical, which would 
make it a little less realistic. Like the movie has a, a fantastical feel to it, but it is realistic. Everything that's fantastic about it could be just in his head and just that's where he feels the need to express himself in that extra way. As a right. apart from like when they when they yell at the the, the neo Nazi kids. You know, that's just using the words as like fuel, which is another theme. Like the the words and music of Springsteen can can show you a way, not necessarily the way as he talks about at the end, but a way when you're stuck. Yeah, but I mean, I, I did appreciate how it, it didn't just end there. Like it, it was kind of like they they took off and that turned into a whole set piece around the mall, which I yeah. I, I felt like took it to a higher place than just like kind of breaking out into a song and some neo Nazis and walking away. It would it would have felt a little odd if to, if to not make more of that moment. And I and I and I liked that it went there, but I but I also liked what you said about the, just. Uh, when you, when you mentioned the teenage boys and like being like very single minded, it does, it does remind me of something where even though I'm not a teenager, I mean, you do sometimes just get, uh, get something in your head and you just like have to talk about it. And I mean, he has, he has roots. He doesn't really have a whole lot of other boss fans and he's, there's a lot of funny interactions in this movie where he, people just don't get why he's that into it. And like, whether it be where he's going to the school newspaper or he's, uh, talking to his family or talking to just, um, almost anyone else he interacts with. And they're like, Oh no, Springsteen's like old news now. And he, 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 and, and I guess maybe at that point, like, a lot of his bigger albums had already come out in 1987, but at that point, like he, he's still not, he's still so like single-mindedly focused on it throughout the, even like, he's like so worried that there's not going to be concert tickets left. And he, yeah. and he shows up there and like, yeah, you're the first one. It's, 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 it's not, they're not like, they're not selling like hotcakes. And he's like, so, in, so single-mindedly focused on it. That he doesn't even kind of come to that realization up until that point. Yeah. I mean, Springsteen, I may be mistaking it, but I feel like his first album, Greetings from Asbury Park, was 1973. So he'd been almost on the scene for 15 years by that time. Mm-hmm. So think mm-hmm. about now, like how many musicians are gone in 15 years. I mean, um, Taylor Swift is one of the biggest names in the world right now. She hasn't been around for 15 years. Yeah, going um, on 12. Now, so she's, she's got a pretty good run going. She's almost there. Yeah. But 15 years is a long time in music when when tastes change in a, in a heartbeat. So, yeah, he had always he had already gone from the hot new thing, like notoriously um, the music critic John Landau, who became his producer later on, saw him at a concert in the late 70s and, and wrote, I've seen the future of music. And his name is Bruce Springsteen. So like there was a moment where he was when the first album came out, he was the next Bob Dylan, which is why. No other album sounds like that. He is like, I don't want to be Bob Dylan. I want to be Bruce Springsteen. Um, so there was already changes about like if you if you go through his music and you listen to Blinded by the Light, and then you listen to Darkness on the Edge of Town, you listen to Born in the USA, you listen to Born to Run. There's a very different sound. He's a like lot of he, phases. Yeah, he wouldn't reinvent himself in the same way that like a Bob Dylan would, where you, they're unrecognizable from each other. But there was a lot of experimentation within the realm of still being a, a pleasing artist. So like that's that's a thing that. You know, by 87, there were people who were like, oh, we're done with him already. So, like, no matter what, but like we said, when you're when you're 16, even just like think back to when maybe this would be your case also for me, when when the Internet first came out and you had access to information, whatever your interests were, they multiplied because suddenly, oh, I'm interested in the Mets. But really, I only heard what what the announcers would say on TV. So I would take a little bit of that. And that was my information. That was my gospel. Just like when you, you know, years ago, you had uh, Siskel and Ebert, you had the newspaper review, you had whatever little bit you, you read, you had Premiere Magazine. And then once the internet came out, you could literally sit there and just Google whatever you wanted to know. Mm-hmm. So suddenly you knew the mm-hmm. entirety of the Mets history. You knew every single draft pick the Jets had had. You knew, 
that the Eagles had only been the one Super Bowl at the time. You knew what the thing was. You could find out every bit of information about that. And the movie simulates that also of just like, I now want to know everything about Bruce Springsteen. He talks mm-hmm. about, um, mm-hmm. you know, where he different albums that he has, different songs in that he finds those posters. He's modeling himself after the way he dresses. I mean, I'm not sure if it's I want to say it's an Easter egg more than a blunder. But when he goes to the the, the disco, the the day the day uh, yeah. thing with yeah. his daughter, I mean with his sister, yeah, and yeah. he listens to the live cover of "Because the Night," which he wrote and then sold to Patti Smith. Most people wouldn't have been able to hear that in '87. Uh, they uh, probably would have uh, been a bootleg at the time, which I don't think is the movie messing that up. I think it might just be like, yeah, we, we're not going to explain it, but he would have he would have found all these things that most people wouldn't have heard by then. And so it's already implied the, that things get there a little later anyway from America. Yeah. So like, I know that that would have been a song that wasn't, you know, on an album or anything by then or a, a cassette at that time, but you know, he could have found a, a bootleg through someone. So there's, if that's, if that is the case, it's another example of just like when you become all consuming with anything, you go as hard in as you can, which even, which the movie's credit also brings up is that can be problematic. You can't, be beholden to any one dogma like just like his father has to evolve a little bit and understand that you know being a, a wall is going to block him off from his son mm-hmm. javed has to learn that you can't only follow this one teaching what your parents have to say matters what your friends have to say what your girlfriend has to say what other people have to say matters in, in the world and that's part of what makes the the ending so touching beyond the fact that like if you if you do know a little bit more, this is where the extra spring scene stuff comes in. Like the movie works on its own completely, mm-hmm. but if you know the extra stuff, there's a lot of parallels between him and his father, which is a, a staple of his book and also the, uh, the, the Broadway show, like the war that they had of, you know, Bruce's dad was also a, a blue collar worker who was sort of saw himself as a failure, wanted his son to be a lawyer, a doctor, not a musician. And sort of at the beginning took out his frustrations on him. as like, you're, you're the problem because you're not, you know, you're, you're not, you might struggle like I am, and I don't know how to explain that to you that that's a bad thing. I don't know how to express the fact that I love you. Yeah, and that, I mean that, that ending uh, works really well when it when it gets into that stuff, and it it, it kind of explains that, and, it, and it's another one of those universal themes because I, I I didn't have any kind of a abusive relationship with my father or anything like that, but I mean it was something where I mean I was thinking about the sacrifices that he had to make for me, and you think about the choices you make and what that's going to say about any sacrifices that your family might have made. Like my 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 parents like were very successful and that allowed me to try and pursue journalism for a while before I like ended up doing law school. And it's like, they're, they're doing a lot for me to like, give these, give me all these options. And like, I don't, I don't want to screw that up. And it's a very relatable feeling to kind of be put in, put, have that put into perspective for you. It's like, yeah, I mean, I got to be my own person, but at the same time you got, you can't forget where you came from. And I, I, th- I mean, there's a lot of rich uh, ground to mine in that regard. And I, uh, I really appreciated how the movie got to that point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, and one other thing I want to mention though was you were talking about just like how at a certain point, like maybe people would thought they were kind of uh, done with Springsteen by '87, and I don't know if it was an Easter egg that the movie dropped in or so much just like that was where the script took it. But it's kind of funny when they he and Roops have go to the go to the school radio station and they pitch the idea for an all Springsteen station, and they and they talk about him like he's crazy and Springsteen's already passed, and you know at we you know. Uh, E Street Radio has been a thing on Sirius XM for like twelve years now, so that was kind of funny. Yeah. Where they where they just like yelled yelled him out of the station for that after pitching that idea, and thirty years later, that was like that was a reality. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, uh, so the way it, it worked was, I pulled up the actual information so I could sound like I know what I'm talking about. Um, Seventy three was Green's Masbury Park. 
Uh, same year was the second album, The Wild, The Innocent, The Street Shuffle. Born to Run was the third album in 75. So that's when he started to be like, oh, people know who Springsteen is. So right. still 10 right. years from when the movie takes place. But um, the album, that he, the cassette that he gets handed, uh, two of them, one's Darkness on the Edge of Town, which was 78. So again, that's a seven-year-old, eight-year-old cassette. The River came out in 80. It was a double album. Mm-hmm. So that's still, that's the next mm-hmm. two. So until then, that skips over Nebraska, which was a very acoustic sound. So that was... 82. Off, put some people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Born, Born in the USA was 84. So he was big and popular in that sense. But also, like you said, people had misunderstood Born in the USA. The next album that had come out was Tunnel of Love, which wasn't amazingly well received. I like it a lot, but, you know, it's not like at the time the movie takes place. It was the equivalent of trying to think of a it was like Jason Reitman putting out Labor Day. <laughs> so you know, if you're like, I like Labor Day. I mean, I was going to say Men, Women, Children because I love that movie, but I know most people hate it. Like people didn't hate Tunnel of Love, but it was easily. Just, OK, so a better example would be the front runner last year. OK, I just ignored. I really like that. People fine nobody nobody went to bat for it nobody really hated it it just kind of came and went uh so that was sort of the tunnel of love situation so if i like today if i started preaching like you guys have to hear you guys have to watch jason reitman movies juno up in the air uh thank you for smoking like you gotta see these movies it's easy for someone to be like yeah we know but that was like 15 years ago like he's he's been making he's done other stuff and we're not as into it so there's there's little bits of that that they they tie in that I, I just like the way it had that sense of place where that probably would be how that that especially kids that era would think about it because even even like now I so I substitute teach periodically and I made the mistake once of asking like fourth graders or fifth graders like I'll play music like if you guys will be you know work quietly like what do you want to hear and I don't know any of the fucking things they want me to look for <laughs> I can't hurt anything like I I now know that he kept mentioning Old Town Road which. That was the thing at the moment, but can't, I was can't have, they it's were. hard to not hear that one at this point. But yeah, if you talk long enough to a to a fourteen year old, they're going to make you feel old as shit these days. I mean, they were like ten, so I get oh. it. They're <laughs> like I'm 20, 21, 22 years older than them. There's yeah. not going to be a a crossover. But I was hoping for like Taylor Swift or John Mayer, or like something that I'd be like, I'm down with this. And I'm like, oh no, you probably got like they weird YouTubers. You probably got like weird YouTubers and stuff like that thrown at you. Yeah, I, I did not understand any of what they said. I was like, can I just play like shallow? Like you guys, <laughs> guys too young for a star is born. Right. But yeah. So that's, that's just the way that music can be. Music is very generational that way. And in a way that movies aren't always, you know, you, you can study film mm-hmm. and it, be, it sort of like enhances with age. Music has that weird in between where it, when it's just old enough that you kind of ignore it for a little bit before it becomes a classic. So the movie sort of leans into that. But I mean, again, even beyond the, the Springsteen of it all, like it's a really well done look at a very specific place in time. And the idea of just like following someone who really has no direction, no place, no identity, because he's so many different things, he's nothing. And he needed any one thing. And it could have been anything. It could have been Springsteen music. It could have been any other music that, that hit him that way. It could have been soccer if he had gotten into sports it could have been film it could have been any one thing but he needed uh, obsessions the wrong word but he needed just a folk to drive him to change yeah that's where you see the movie shares a lot of dna with sing street which you previously mentioned where you know 
there's is a very direct parallel with like how he starts dressing like Springsteen. And in Sing Street, you have like five different sequences where all those kids try on like different looks, and they're just channeling all their creativity and all their angst into song. And it's like a, it's a very relatable thing where like a, a young person is going to be looking for somewhere for something like that just to kind of immerse themselves in and uh, fi- just find something else to kind of hold on to in life when you got a, a lot of other bad stuff going on. To me, I like the fact that they didn't make him a musician. One is obviously based on Sarfrez's memoir. So he's, you know, he's become a writer. So that's obviously his focus. But, Mm -hmm. you know, there's another version of this movie where he wants to make music. He wants to play Springsteen music or he wants to write his own. And I like that the movie identified, like, just because you love something doesn't mean you can imitate it. Yeah. But talk about it brought out the creativity of his writing, which then led to him to songwriter. Yeah. And now he now he was a full on journalist like. Sarfraz wrote lyrics, you know, and we never really see any of them besides the poems. We don't know if he's any good. It doesn't really matter. Right. But he he clearly likes to write and he has a talent for it. And the music and the words and seeing Springsteen lyrics inspire him lets him write in a way that he wasn't doing before. He was holding something back. Um, So I like that it does that. Like it doesn't make him have to follow in his footsteps. It's more, oh, this man speaks to me and for me. And allows me to do the same. Now I can, I can write that article about the mosque. I can try to speak for my people. Yeah, that's the I next can thing. write a book. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the next yeah. thing I was going to ask you about. Was that like, that whole him gaining confidence as a writer thing? It ties into the other the other part of this movie I wanted to discuss. Where I mean, it, it kind of it really uh, spends a good amount of time to really kind of interrogate just like how he was being affected by a lot of the racism in the country at that time. And I guess a lot of it. Well, I mean, I was a little ignorant. I guess of it. I mean, I mean, that, well, sure. I, I didn't think there wasn't any racism in. Uh, in England at that time, but I didn't realize that Pakistanis were targeted that way. So it was a learning experience for me, but it's something where he's trying to uh, make a difference in that manner. And it clashes with his family a bit, but you, you do see how like, that's just something that the country was going through at that time. How do you think the movie just balanced handling subject matter like that uh, along with everything else we just talked about, which would have made for a very good movie on its own? Oh, it it did it really well because like you said, I think a lot of people don't know that like there's, you know, we, Slavery is sort of our original sin in, in America. So it's everyone knows that, like, as with some exceptions, America doesn't have a great track record of treating African Americans. Like, it's putting it kindly, yes. Yeah, I mean, we're we're pretty bad at it. Yeah, and in the UK especially, but really throughout Europe, they you know they don't shoot people in the same way, but they definitely have an issue with people who don't look like them, not basically white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. Um, and the movie hits on that in a way that is very is very it's never over the top but it's always looming and it shows how people it sort of became a way of life i mean you see um his father kind of ignores it everything's hunky-dory don't worry about it people don't like us but we're fine we keep our heads down and that's one way of looking at it and then you had the um his friend the one he was doing work for who pretends it's not a big deal that the kid walks over and pisses in their in their mailbox you know um but then you see that it's not like everyone. It's not like living in, in a hellhole. Javed's neighbor, you know, who yeah, you initially think is very shady. Like he looks very off at them. Yeah, it kind and of it makes goes, you th- it makes you, it makes you think that's going in one very specific direction. Then it yeah. kind of doesn't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, a, it's a little bit of a of a of a movie moment where like, oh, this guy you think is one way, we're gonna make him another. But you know, the, it gets to the point which you wanted, which is him to come up and be like, I read your your work about the against the Nazis. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I went to war against them and I 
now I see them on my streets. This is this is wrong. You have to keep doing this. So there's you see that there was a turmoil. You see his teacher and his girlfriend are at that protest mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. uh, you know the the Nationalist Party march that you you watch where the neo Nazis are in the street. You also see the anti protest, much like we saw with Charlottesville and things like that. So again, things they didn't plan on when they made the movie, but it's impossible to watch now and not be like, oh, not only is this timely, but is very reflective of moments that we've seen because obviously that was a na- a worldwide thing. The whole world watched that moment and went, oh, yeah, that's I, not a good. Look. Yeah, I, I even heard the heard Chadra talk on that about a podcast about that how like just they didn't know like it was going to be this timely in America when they started writing the movie. It was during Brexit, but kind of before a lot of the worst stuff with with, with Trump happened. So it's unfortunately timely. I don't know if it got a laugh in your theater, but he's giving the speech to his parents and he says, "In America, they don't care where you're from." And yeah. more than a few people I, laughed without that. A little bit at the – so I've seen it twice. I saw yeah. it at a, a press screening where there wasn't a whole lot of press. There was a lot of those. Um, so I don't know how many people know this. But depending on the movie you go to, a lot of times they'll – the studio will put in quote-unquote regular people. Mm-hmm. A lot of times Disney used to do it with cartoons. You know, you go to see Frozen. There's a lot of little kids that will be there because they want you to see it the way they intended. Right. Um, so this was uh, you know one of the earlier screenings for the movie. So it was with – the people who, you know, wait online to go to the, the free free test screening type thing. And they had a session coordinator for press. Mm-hmm. So there was a little bit of laughter, but they responded to the movie. The, the second time I saw it, when I saw it at the premiere, that was pretty much just like people or hardcore Springsteen people. You know, a lot of the that like Facebook group Spring Nuts and um, some Jersey politicians and things like that, a little bit of press. So that that didn't go over in the same way because I think people weren't paying attention in that way. Everything else is just like amplified by ten, but no, it's impossible not to hear that moment and not go, yeah, yeah. It'd be nice know. if that was the case, um, but no. Yeah. But- Maybe- Maybe in the eighties. No, wait, that was Reagan. Never mind. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, all, all, all that's all that part of the movie where it's dealing with the 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 race issues that they're going through there. I think it also is interesting because it it does somewhat inform the other part of the movie where it's like I bet that's part of what informs his dad's thinking about wanting to get like a more traditional white collar job. Where it's like, I mean, I bet you're he's probably thinking that like, look, these these white people probably dominate those creative spaces in a way where it's harder to break through in that than it is in these other fields. And I just want you to like make money. And so you, that's probably part of where his dad is coming from too. And uh, so you're having to like kind of think about what if you're what you're trying to think about where his dad's coming from because you know they're eventually going to like give his dad a few more shades of character and make him come around. It it kind I think it's an interesting way where this whole movie does actually kind of tie together really well. And it's it's that that aspect of it. it's not something that feels way too shore, shoehorned in like it might in a lesser movie. Yeah, no, they don't they don't shoehorn in anything. There's a lot of other things going on, but it's all secondary and then it'll come to the forefront for one reason or another there's not a whole lot of oh that's a movie moment mm-hmm. you know they avoid that it, obviously you know there's going to be a confrontation between the father and the son and like the the tickets are going to be a conflict like there are things that just you know because it's common sense it's a movie and also just that's that's the narrative moment whether it happened or not that you, you is obvious yeah for creating for creating drama because it is a very light movie it's almost a comedy but you know, there, there's definitely stakes involved. So they they do a, a really good job of finding the balance and never letting you get too low or too high. When there's when it veers in one direction, the next scene really does do a good job of of recalibrating where you should be. Definitely, a couple more things I want to ask you about before we wrap up. Did you have a? Do you have any uh, anything you want to shout out, especially about the performances, whether it be about the the, the lead guy uh, Vivek Karlar or anyone else in the movie? I mean, the cast is uniformly good. I don't think there's necessarily a, oh, here's an award standout in the same way. Like, it's very much in service of the material. 
Mm-hmm. But no, the lead is he's he does exactly what you want. I I I didn't when I was writing my review, I kind of had trouble phrasing what I wanted to say about him because I didn't want to call him like an empty vessel because that's very like negative. Mm-hmm. But he is kind of mm-hmm. like the characters were then very open to whatever can fill him up at the beginning, and and the actor does a very good job of that of showing you how he's still a person, he's still a very well rounded person, he has personality, but he was waiting for something to like give him passion. So I, I think he he portrayed that really well. Um, I actually really liked um, she's she's underused, but Haley Atwell is good as like the, the teacher who spurs her on. But that's a, a little bit of a movie character. Mm-hmm. But she's good. Nell Williams is really good. She's very much like a spark plug as uh, as the girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there yeah. isn't a perform really highlight in that same way, but they're all really good in service of the material. Yeah, the, the, I, I also liked I also liked um, him in the lead because I, I thought I mean as he's like going on that journey he's like picking up on like a few different um, he's he's picking up more of a different kind of outlook on life as he becomes more familiar with the music and you see like various stages of that confidence you know he's not like he like all yeah. of a sudden is like I'm gonna be like the most masculine person ever because I start listening to the boss but he like has has the confidence to like go in for a kiss on the first date or something like that but not be like totally uh maybe not be totally totally smooth doing it but it's like oh okay like I thought maybe they were gonna make him like super awkward and then all of a sudden he was just gonna be like totally totally confident and he like kind of strikes an interesting middle ground throughout the movie that I think is like just far more interesting than if he just uh became a new person overnight and i thought that was something that was important that's what the movie does the movie comes close to being over the top sugary sweet at times it comes close to being cheesy at times like it knows when to pull back like that scene you know of course he's gonna kiss the girl on the date Mm -hmm. and of course the music is gonna play a part but the way that you know he walks away stops listens to a little bit of music as encouragement then goes back in tells her the lyrics and then goes in for the kiss and the actual song just bursts in. Mm-hmm. That's the that feeling that it's, it's more concerned with replicating the feeling, you know, to him, he did it. And that music was in his head as he did it. And there's just this explosion of, of love. Mm-hmm. And that's what the movie does perfectly. Yeah. No, I'm glad you mentioned that one more time. Cause if there's anything I wanted to reiterate, it was just that like, there were a few moments like that where I was like almost about to like cover my eyes. Cause I thought it was gonna get too cheesy for me. And all of a sudden it just turns into something else that is like a uh, very far more palatable and like exciting. And just, it, it overwhelms you with its sincerity instead of just being, it, it goes from, it, it feels like, Oh no, it's going to be too corny to, Oh, this is just super sincere and making me smile. And that's right. like what I loved most about it. And it, it, it surprised me in the best ways in that manner. Oh yeah, a movie usually has to pick a direction. You either have to lean into being melodramatic or whatever the case may be, or you have to always avoid it at every turn. You know, like we mentioned Labor Day. Like Labor Day, like it or hate it, made the decision that it was going to be full-on melodrama. Every moment of it was going to be syrup. Like right. that's the movie that Jason Reitman wanted to make. Whether it worked or not for you, that's the movie you wanted to make. Mm-hmm. There are other movies that like, like Cabin in the Woods, for example, at every turn wanted to do the opposite of what a horror movie would do while still calling attention to being a horror movie. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's this is a rarer thing in that it, it walks up to the line of where you'd go, oh, this is a cliche, and then backs up. So the, you know, the writers and the director, they're aware of where the line is. Mm-hmm. And manage to you know to to be that guy. They manage not to be blinded by the light. Right. Uh, my last question for you: Was there a was there a specific Springsteen song in mind where you, you that the movie didn't get to use that you would have like were like hoping they would find a way to work it in there? Or was there a moment where you're like, oh, that one could have gone in there, and that would have been a pretty cool uh, a, pr- a pretty cool needle drop or anything like that? Oh, there's there's hundreds of them, <laughs> but it's almost an impossible question. I like right. the way they do because there's. Because you could design it so fully, depending on your mood, and, and there's, 
I think they did a very good job of picking music that would have been the things he would have heard at the time. Mm-hmm. So like, obviously mm-hmm. you, you can't pick stuff beyond 1987. So that would eliminate a lot of things. I, it was a very good balance. I, I mean, for what it's worth, I think the, he, you hear the river play at one point, which is what he's, he's watching it on TV. Right. When he talks about how it's about his sister and his, and his brother-in-law and, and their blue collar, uh, situation all almost everything on that album is is really well done really would have fit um and it didn't show up in the movie but i kind of got as a bonus when when bruce came up and did a couple of songs he did only one of his own songs at the premiere he did sherry darling which is from that album Hmm. so it was kind of a nice touch that at the block by library he played an appropriate song that's really funny that you said that because i the interview i was listening to gunder chada right before i we started recording she was asked the question basically that i asked you and i was just curious what your answer would be and she literally gave the same answer it was like i wanted to use sherry darling and she just like couldn't find couldn't really find the spot for it didn't really work out but that was her answer to like one that she would have wanted to put in if she could have found the spot (laughs) i mean if you guys if um if anyone looks up on youtube the you could probably find Blinded by the Light premiere Springsteen performing. Yeah. Well, you'll yeah. hear it. It's a very up, it's a very, you know, running around having fun song. It's about basically your mother-in-law being in the backseat of your car and you kick her out because she's annoying. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't fit thematically and it maybe not fit for what he was going for in the story, but it, it was cool that it just, that the song that he played was a song from the river. It was a time-appropriate song to the movie. I mean, I could pick, you know, 50 songs that should be on a soundtrack of his his work, you know, and it would turn into it would turn into a very different movie if there was. Oh yeah, you, you gotta know, draw the line somewhere. <laughs> three minutes, there's a new song. Like I would, I would have been fine, but it wouldn't have been the. Like obviously, it didn't do that well at the box office, but like it, it's meant to be a crossover movie. It's meant to not. You don't have to like Springsteen to like this movie. Yeah, but if it had been, you know, twenty five, thirty of his songs, it would have turned into like you have to appreciate the music, otherwise you're gonna miss something. You know, you're gonna wonder why everything they had a thematic reason so i'm i i wouldn't change a thing i you know i go home and listen and i'm happy no definitely good that it, it, it the movie can now be accessible to a lot of people in that way uh joey any final thoughts on the movie before we sign off yeah people should go see it it only made like four million at the box office people should go see it like um i there's only a handful of movies that like really need your i mean every movie needs your business but this is one of those ones that if you want to see more of it get made you you have to Seek it out. Yeah, it's like, a fifteen million dollar budget. Like, I, I was a little, I was a little surprised it was that high. And it's like, man, like how often do fifteen million dollar movies get made anymore? Exactly. Oh, I, I th- so they bought so New Line slash Warner Bros bought it for fifteen million at Sundance. I don't know that it cost fifteen. Oh, million. Okay. I think it's an even cheaper movie than that. Oh, but okay. it's the type of movie that you want, especially you want a big studio to put out. Right. You got to right. support it in the same way that um, my my second favorite movie of the year is a movie called The Peanut Butter Falcon, which is oh. expanding currently. Um, it's been out a week or two. It's going to be, I think, wide next week or the week after or this week. Yeah, it hasn't, gotten, it hasn't gotten to me yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's expanding. But that's another movie that it's it's a smaller movie that needs attention, just like in the same way that it's a much bigger movie. But once upon a time in Hollywood needed people to go see it because it was an expensive, you know, drama for adults. Right. So they, there are movies like that, that that need people. Obviously, the, you know, Hobbs and Shaw, whether you go or not, doesn't it's going to exist either way Fast and Furious is not so like if much. you yeah like if you have a movie sort of aimed at a it doesn't mean it's an adult movie but aimed at an adult it doesn't have special effects it's about people you you have to go see them otherwise there's no impetus to to make them so that would be sort of my, my final thought is go go see the damn movie 
No, I second that. I was just, I was hoping, we were talking about it a little before we got in the air. I was like, hope, I was hoping it would uh, just have a little more of a breakout, even if I didn't expect it to like do like the same business that yesterday did, whereas the Beatles are maybe just like a, a little, uh, maybe another level, level of famous internationally than uh, Springsteen. I was just also like, a famous, more famous filmmaker, also the writers and name, like everything about it. It's a, it's a, it's a bigger studio. Like everything about it was, was going to be bigger, though. I, I obviously, I think yesterday is fine. It's a little bit of a, it's not what I was hoping. Like I, I wanted to love that movie and I only like it, but this, you know, I would have loved if this was the, the breakout success that yesterday or began. No, I'm, I'm with you. I, I mean, I, I wish yesterday had just done a little more with it. If it was high concept and this movie isn't like high concept. I mean, yesterday was an incredible idea that I just didn't think was executed as well as it should have been. And while this wasn't high concept in that manner, I thought this, I thought blinded by the light did what it wanted to do, what it, what it should have done a lot better. And yeah. I, I just hoped it could get a piece of that action, even if I didn't expect it to like do those kind of numbers. So I, I want to second what Joey said, uh, everyone, uh, go support this movie. I think, I mean, we're, we still got a few more weeks to like things really kind of pick up with fall movie season. I think next weekend especially is a is actually a pretty slow weekend for releases. I'm going out of town. And I'm not really missing anything. I'm too upset to miss unless something like Peanut Butter Falcon gets to me. Uh, so really good chance for all of you that uh, that didn't catch it on the first weekend to go see it. I strongly recommend it. Uh, Joey, where can people find some of your stuff? Uh, at the award circuit at Hollywood News. I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and all that stuff at Joey Maggotson. Um you know, go out and see the movie, listen to some Springsteen music, watch Springsteen on Broadway on Netflix if you want to hear some of the personal stuff that he went through. Um, yeah, it's it's an amazing movie. It's my favorite of the year. Um, and if you do need to see something else next week, uh, Ready or Not is very good. Ah, uh, that, 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 wait, that is next weekend. Okay, I am excited about that. I, I mean, it didn't show up when I was like looking at Showtimes, but I've forgotten about that. But it's, it's a light week next week. I think Ready or Not and Britney Runs a Marathon are the only two that are of any note. Right, right, yeah, and I think Britney Runs a Marathon might still be limited at that point, um, but uh, but yeah, so I, yeah, again, m- m- everyone make Bonded by the Light a, um, a priority, and, uh, and read Joey's stuff, uh, Joey, uh, Joey's Bread and Brothers Award stuff, so hopefully we'll get him back here for an awards movie in the fall. In the meantime, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Josh Jernavoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y, on both Twitter and Letterboxd, the podcast Twitter is Rewind Movie Pod, so everyone check that out. Uh, coming up next, I, I'm probably have a podcast on ready or not and i might find someone to talk about something like where'd you go bernadette or good boys i don't know but we'll see so who knows what's next stay tuned though we'll see you next time